Where are you? You're looking at me. Can you at least accept that it's lyrics from a song? What, what song? I don't know. <laughs> I just know that it goes, where are you? Okay. Like that. Cool. That's all it... This whole time you've thought I've just been saying that? Yeah. It's a song! Okay. I've said it six times this morning. <laughs> I thought you were just being weird. so defeated right now just gonna eat my peanut butter cup Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter 10 of The Last Battle. <laughs> this chapter is called Who Will Go Into the Stable. You're bringing some really intense energy this morning. I there am. I am here for an coffee? intense discussion. Uh-huh. I had less coffee than usual. You also have glitter on your face. I have glitter on my face? No! <laughs> been infected you got it <laughs> i don't know where it came from <laughs> you're good now <laughs> i am worthy of a better god than tash Oof. and my name is Kristen, and this is my co-host i'm a ginger colored streak of lightning i wrote that one down too <laughs> A.K.A. a pert puss. Yeah. A.K.A. Chris. Hello, Chris. How are you today? <laughs> Doing good. Pert puss. Um, ginger colored streak of lightning. That's the first one I wrote down. Uh-huh. And then I was like, nah, I like worthy of a better God than Tash. Like I, like you said, I have a high intensity level today. You really do. <laughs> that diner coffee is something else. Woo! It's a good time. So is all of the stress. <laughs> anyway. How are you doing, Kristen? No, we're we're uh, we're not going to engage in that conversation right now. Okay, <laughs> there's supposed to be banter. Well, but... there 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 there's room for banter. There's room for banter. <laughs> um, banter does not start with "How are you doing?" <clears throat> That's not banter. Sorry, I'll try again. What's up with your face? Uh, apparently, there's glitter on it. <laughs> I don't know what you've been interacting with. We put away the Christmas decorations. Like a week and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Although this morning you were confused about where the tree was. I was a little bit. <laughs> I walked out in the living room. I was like, why is there so much space out here? Yep. It was a weird moment. Uh-huh. Just, the tree uh, has been gone for some time now. Yep. Your brain just like transported itself back two weeks for some reason. It really did. Um. Anyway. How do we start this? We banter. Yep. Um, Check. What we do is we do summaries. Yep. So, like, as you and I are reading the chapter, you know, and stuff, we write down, like, sentences and stuff. That we do. Yeah. Um, we select five sentences out of the chapter and try to summarize the chapter in its own words, just in five sentences. Uh, would you like to go first or shall I? Uh, I can go ahead and go first. All right, you do that. 
All right, my summary is as follows. We know why he isn't going to bring his precious Aslan out. You have to go in and see him. Tyrion felt quite certain, and so did the others, that the cat was trying to say something, but nothing came out of his mouth except the ordinary, ugly cat noises you might hear from any angry or frightened old Tom in a backyard in England. Tyrion and his friends could only see the back of Rishdit Harkon, so they never knew what his face looked like as he shrugged his shoulders and said, Bear witness, all, that I am guiltless of this young fool's blood. Next moment, the astonished Narnians saw seven figures leap forth in front of the stable, four of them in shining mail. I feel like you did a better job than me. I'm going to go ahead and do mine. but <laughs> Go for it. I feel like I don't resolve a lot of the plot points that I introduce. Uh-huh. Here's mine. Anyone can see Tashlan. Ginger the cat said in a cool, clear voice, not at all as if he was excited. I'll go in, if you like. Why do you let Narnians in and keep your own people out? But Tyrion and his friends stared first at the dead Calermine and then at one another. Next moment, the astonished Narnians saw seven figures leap forth in front of the stable, four of them in shining mail. Hey, look, we did the same last sentence. I did that one because I thought you were going to do the quote at the very end uh, where Tyrion's just like, huzzah, join me. Yeah. Um, so I did the one before that. All of the dialogue mm. in this chapter is like tiny little sentences. And it's really hard because as I have things like, anyone can see Tashlan, you have to go in and see him. Two yeah. separate sentences, one right after the other. I used one, you used the other. Yeah. But it's like, it was really, really hard to get plot points like the cat not being able to speak and get any more yeah like it's it all of those were in these tiny short sentences that were really really difficult to summarize uh-huh. it was a rough one that's all yeah uh it was but however but however but however. proper uh, proper english i was going to point out in my in my first sentence in my summary lewis does end the sentence in a preposition shock rebel um Breaking the rules over here. What would Tolkien say? I I really love you. Uh-huh. Um, no, <laughs> that is not a rule. I thought it was. I've always heard that. <sighs> I love you. <laughs> I love you a lot. <laughs> I have told you so many times about how this rule exists only in English because you can't do it in Latin. Uh huh. It is, it is, it is not an actual rule in so much as it does not affect the ability of anyone to understand English. And in fact, English is much more difficult to understand when you force this rule into it. This rule is not from English or Germanic. It is from Latin because it's physically impossible to end a sentence with a preposition in Latin. It is not physically impossible to do that in English. And in English, it is perfectly acceptable to do that. I love you. I, I, don't, don't, you know that this is a triggering topic for me. Just, you, no, it's not funny. It's <laughs> a little bit funny. It's not funny. So uh, in this chapter, the entire house of cards comes tumbling down. 
Does it really uh, basically, though? I think it does because uh, there's a lot of there's some descent here, like the this power structure. Can we talk about that descent? Go ahead. Why is Griffel here? Um, because let's just yeah. what's the context Griffel came from? The last time we saw Griffel, he was being escorted to Calermine by Cal Calerman by Calermine guards. Uh huh. And got th those guards got attacked and killed. Yes. And Griffel just came back? Uh, he said, no, we're going to go do our own thing. Forget your Aslan. Forget all of this nonsense. We don't like anybody. We're going to go on our own. No more kings for us. Uh -huh. No more gods. No more kings. Why is he here? Why are the dwarves here? It doesn't make any sense. Because he got pissed off at the Calermanes and is just like, I'm yeah, going to come back and show these guys here? up. I don't know. The four guards that were sent with him and his crew are dead. Two of them were killed by the dwarves. Yep. And he just showed back up and decided to sit there and harass the ape. Maybe he thought it'd be fun to do a little trolling on a Monday night. I like how this is a Monday night. Like, yeah. I totally accept that this is a Monday night as well. Feels, this chapter feels like a Monday. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know why he's here. However he is. Uh, we open up Anyway, with, so there's some dissent. Yeah. Tyrion and friends are hanging out behind the stable still. Uh, Jill immediately wants to get the... Well, upon Jules' insistence, Jill wants to get the lion skin off of Puzzle's back because, you know, the jig's up. Yeah, the well, shift it, already... it, wouldn't, it wouldn't do for him to be seen in that state now. Yeah. That all the Narnians believe that he exists and is, in fact, lying to everybody. Yeah. Uh, and immediately gets the lion skin off. It feels almost like we're setting up like a Chekhov's gun situation here because there's these couple lines that make a point of being like she would have liked to have hidden the skin somewhere very far away, but the best she could do in such short notice was putting it in these thick bushes over here. Yeah. Which makes me think it's going to come back into play at some point. Possibly. It's probably not, though, because we only have six chapters to wrap up the entirety of the Narniaverse. So yeah. So he, he's got to fit a lot of plot into these last six chapters. Yeah. That's... I don't know if he can do it. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Anyway, uh, so Puzzle is de-lioned for the first time since uh, he puts the coat on in the very beginning of the book. Yep. He's a free donkey again. And then the ape is continuing his speech. This is just a direct flow from the last chapter into this one where the ape is still in the middle of the speech being like, Tajlan's really angry. Uh, he's not going to come out anymore. He doesn't even want to see you people. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then the heckling starts from the dwarf in the back. Yeah, Griffel. which we assume is Griffel. Uh, well, yeah. Well, it they names him in the next sentence. Tashlan so. says, no, Tashlan. Tyrion. Yeah. It says Tyrion couldn't see him but assumed it was Griffel. It's never actually a definitive yeah. statement that it is Griffel. But yeah. Yeah. There you go. From from the sentence structure and the way that he writes, it's, it's Griffel. But suddenly we've done away with the third person, omniscient, a narrator, all of a sudden, and we just, we, we only know what Tyrion assumes to be true. Yeah, we've shifted back and forth in voices a few times, haven't we? Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a little, it's, it hasn't been jarring up to this point, but it, that sentence, the way it was worded, was very jarring to me and very much drew my attention to the change in voice of yeah. the narrator in this. Yeah. Like... I feel like we very rarely had, like, a fully omniscient narrator at any point in Narnia. Uh -huh. But, like, I feel like we've definitely had one in this. Maybe, I mean... It, book it, a few times? It's definitely... Because a of the way that we see... 
like shift working on the lion's skin while yeah. puzzle is away the way that we see like the the i don't know a lot of it's told but we've also had moments where it's just like one can only guess what lucy was thinking here and like she never told me or like yeah stuff like that yeah <clears throat> so i don't know anyway uh, but we so, also have like the he couldn't see Rishta Tarkin's face that you that you use that sentence like it is it is very like intentionally removing any aspect of omniscience from the narrator like uh-huh. piece by piece like oh and you know the Farsight the Eagle told them that this is what happened far to the east and yeah all of these things like it's very. It's very intentional about keeping an omniscient narrator out of it. It's just a little jarring. Uh-huh. The way that it's like, and he assumed it was a person that he has met and talked to and heard the voice of, like, that he could probably have recognized the next day uh-huh. by voice alone with confidence, but it, like, makes it so intentional being like, he assumed it was Griffle. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um... So anyway, the heckling starts from the back. Uh, Greffel is being like, oh, well, obviously he's not coming out because you don't actually have anything. You well, had a donkey and a lion's skin. Yeah, and, and he immediately it. says that because, like, we have Shift get up there and say, there's a donkey dressed up as Aslan parading around trying to deceive people. And Griffel goes, oh, you had a donkey and you've lost it now and you don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, and and immediately calls him out on it because he just saw the donkey yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and it's at this point that the Tarkan realizes that they are losing control of the situation. Yeah. Uh, because he changes tones really pretty quickly. Uh, also want to read this line because I really liked this sentence. The Lord Shift has already told you of that wicked ass. Yeah. Just liked it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, Monkey's up there, sorry, the ape is up there. I thought he was a man. The ape man is up there, uh, saying, nope, Aslan's not gonna come out anymore, you can't see him, etc., etc. Then there starts being dissent in the crowd, and the Tarkhan's... Yeah. And then Tarkhan is just like, well, well, wait a second. Anybody can go in and see him. He's not gonna come... Shift says that. Um, hang on. Okay, yes. Sorry. Apparently I was drunk this morning at 9 in the morning reading this chapter because I got the entire thing wrong. Yes. The no, ape, you got nothing wrong. The ape says, uh, you can go in and see him whenever you want to. I just have absurd detail recall. <sighs> Apparently today you do. Yep. Um, you know, the bear, the one bear in the crowd is really confused by this. Rightfully so because they were just like, nope, he's not going to come out and see you. You can go see him though. Well, and we pr- practically, this, what's the difference here? We have this whole uh, thing, once again, about thinking. Uh-huh. And the way that Shift is trying to control people's thinking by demanding that they stop thinking. Uh-huh. Like, we had this with Puzzle. When Puzzle says, like, oh, I'm not good at, you know, thinking. Like, I let you do the thinking kind of thing. And, and Shift even tells him, like, don't... Don't think about what Aslan would want. I know better. Yeah. You know, when, when Puzzle doesn't want to dress up in the in the, in the the skin. 
and all of these things. But he goes back to that same effort of controlling people through telling them that they can't think. Yeah. Like, and he says something along the lines of, like, you can't call what goes on in your head thinking. Yes. To the bear. Yeah. When the bear is like, I thought you said that we couldn't see him. I thought you said we could. You know, and he's like, oh, thinking. And, like, this is just a, a hearkening back to me of the way that Shift has been controlling people from the beginning of the book mm-hmm. is by calling into question their own ability to think. And I think that there's, I think, that there is, a, like, a very specific emphasis on this as a means of controlling people by getting them to stop thinking. Yeah, it's possible. I and mean, I, I, that's there is religious commentary in that, but there's also political commentary in that. Yeah, and it's I don't know. I feel like the the competence of the ape is going back and forth here, where Shift is at times like still very keen on this plan that he has and manipulating people, and other times he's just like, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm a well, you know, I got what I want, and I'm drunk all the time, and my head hurts." There's and, a sentence in this chapter me. that really demonstrates the back and forth that Shift is having, though. Yeah. Uh, also, in terms of motifs, we have the dumb bear stereotype again. Yeah, we have them again. <laughs> Which apparently bears are stupid. Yep. Who knew? Uh, I never met a, met a bear personally, so yeah, I couldn't tell you. Um. <laughs> so yeah, after all of this, he says, you know, go in and see him. He's angry. He's been hungry ever since he gobbled up that wicked king. Been licking his lips in he's, there. He's been growling more today than usual, things like that. And then we have the ginger cat step forward to fulfill his role that was hinted at at the end of the last chapter that Rishta had said to him, be prepared to play your part. Well, I wanted to mention one more thing before we move into that thing. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting the reaction the crowd has to this, and I didn't want to read this sentence because it's in my rewrite. However, I'll read it because I think it's important. Uh, everybody is just like, Ermagerd, we can go in and see him. That's what we wanted this entire time, and now he'll be kind, and it will all be as it used to be. Like, they've been sitting here this entire time with Chef telling, telling, telling them Tashlan or whoever is very angry, like he's going to, you know, rain down all these woes upon them like he's going to punish them this is why because they've been wicked and as soon as he says oh you can go in and see him everybody's just like oh yeah but he's going to be nice and everything's going to go back to the way it was yeah so like and that (sighs) is evidence that all of these people know that this isn't aslan yeah like and that's that's going to be basically the 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 proof that I need a better way to say this, but what I want to say is this is the proof that God needs that they haven't been deceived and that they have made a conscious choice to follow not God and to follow shift. Like, that, the fact that they know that this isn't the character of Aslan, like, this is the divine revelation. Yeah. Like, this is the aspect of it that's just... This is the part that I'm, like, frustrated with because when we keep talking about, like, the judgment scenes and things like that that are ultimately going to come, is Puzzle going to be punished for following Shift? Like, are all of these Narnians going to be punished in the end of this book for following Shift with the hope and knowledge that Shift is selling them a lie? Like, is the fact that they know that that's not the behavior of Aslan, is the fact that they have that hope that he'll be different, is that what is going to, you know, damn them all in the end? 
Well, I mean, not that I want to get super into this because I don't think we have the time because we've barely started reviewing the chapter. However, <clears throat> if you want to go into Lewis's personal theology, I haven't brought us brought this up in a while. Uh, and we know from other books that what he writes down here and what like the allegory isn't necessarily in line with everything he believes. But in Lewis's personal theology, a lot of what he talks about is that punishment doesn't come from God, it comes from ourselves. Like, we punish ourselves by not following the will of God because, mm -hmm. like, it's so perfect and so good and so divine that if we are not in line with that, then we're just damning ourselves and God has nothing to do with it directly. And so there might be an element of that here where it's just like, you know, Aslan isn't here. Like, literally, Aslan is not here doing anything. And all this stuff is happening because the people fell into it. Um, anyway, but I don't want to get super into that. Yeah, no, no, but like just from the, 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 like, I know that people are going to be punished for following Shift in the hope of following Aslan, knowing that Aslan's better than what Shift is selling them. Uh-huh. And like, I feel like they're going, these Talking beasts are all going to be punished for following and accepting what Shift has been selling them this uh -huh. whole time when they're obviously not accepting it. Like, this is proof that they're not accepting that this is Aslan. Yeah. Like, and that's... I'm angry because I expect that they're all going to get punished for something that this chapter is now telling us is not the case. They don't actually believe that this is Aslan because they know that this isn't the character of Aslan. They know that once they get to see Aslan face to face, it'll be proved that he isn't this horrible, murderous beast. Yeah, the narrative isn't necessarily very consistent here. Yeah, and like, that's, that's, like, I'm angry <laughs> about, like, I'm, I'm angry about the way that, like, the religiosity of it is being portrayed here and like what the assumption I have of what punishment is going to look like later. Yeah. I mean, that's you know? a bridge we can cross when we get to it. Yeah. Like, we'll have a lot to talk about when we get to the end. Um, I just have a lot of preemptive anxiety that all of these animals are going to get punished <laughs> for something that this chapter is proving they don't believe. Like that's, I, I don't even remember what happens after you're not this. even sure you finished this book i'm not even sure i've ever finished this book but still like oh my goodness so as you were saying ginger cat, cat steps forward uh nobody wants to you know really jump in there after like all chefs talk about how angry tashlan is and so the cat don't steps blame me if he scares the whiskers off your face yeah uh very coolly and goes in there and now we it's big green eyes never blinked yeah. Cool as a cucumber, thought Eustace. <laughs> it knows it has nothing to fear. Yeah. And that's that that sentence there, it knows it has nothing to fear. I, I put a big mark next to it because it really, like, stood out to me that this cat is convinced that it has nothing to fear. And then we have, like, such a turn happen here. Yeah. Because so we know he's playing a part. Tarkin said that. He is playing a part. However... I think, like, from, from the clues in this chapter, we never find out in this chapter what's in the shed. We still don't go in there. Correct. 
Uh, however, I think we can figure out from context clues that Ginger doesn't know that there's anything in there. Ginger thinks the shed's empty. Well, even if it's not empty, like, Tyrion makes a point, or or Poggin, one of them, suggests that there's probably two Calamines in there with swords that will fall on anyone who goes in that isn't the cat. Yeah. And so the cat goes in, and then we hear it screeching and hollering, and, um, I, I, ow, we, the, the most horrible caterwaul you ever heard made everyone jump. You have been wakened yourself by cats quarreling or making love on the roof in the middle of the night. You know the sound. Yeah. That is a... That is a sentence in this book. Yep. That's it's a just, statement. It's, it is a statement. You have been wakened yeah. yourself by cats quarreling or making love on the roof in the middle of the night. You know the sound. Yep. Absolutely do. <laughs> have you? This is a universal human experience. Have you ever been wakened <laughs> by cats uh, quarreling in the middle of the night? Have you? Wakened? No. Have I heard that outside? Yes. Yes. Anyway. On the roof, not necessarily. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) this was worse. Yeah. Apparently. And Uh, so, yeah, this uh, ginger-colored streak of lightning comes rushing out, knocks the ape head over heels. Yep. Goes uh, right up a tree. you know, head over heels is how I prefer to stand. (laughs) Usually, yeah. Yeah. I mean... uh, that's how I stand. Yeah, I don't. I don't often feel that I've been knocked into that position. <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty natural one for me to find myself in. Anyway. Uh, anyway, he <laughs> wan- wanders up a tree, and at this point, like not we, just wanders, like he, he bolts. I mean, yeah, he bolts up that tree. Uh, at this point, the ape and the Tarkan are pretty confused because I don't think this was part of the plan. Like, Cat was probably supposed to go in, come out immediately, and be like. Nope, saw him. He's angry. Don't go in there. Yeah. Uh, and he comes out, and they try to talk to him, and they're just like, aren't you a talking beast? Like, why aren't you saying anything? And it seems like the cat's trying to, and yeah. can't. So how much of this do you think, like, you think it was just planned, like Poggin says, that he's going to go in and come back out and describe some wonder? Yeah. But he bolts up the tree, uh-huh. scared, eyes like green saucers. Yeah. Tail all a floof, hair all on end. Yeah. And then, aren't you a talking beast? I feel like that, like, I I don't know what to think at this point. Because if the sentence, no one ever saw him again, wasn't yeah. in the chapter. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Is I like, would be almost, you know, there are two sentences that make me believe that that ginger cat has actually been changed. Uh-huh. And that is the one that says everyone could see that he was physically changing and didn't look like a talking beast anymore. Yeah. And the one that says no one ever saw him again. Yeah. Like those two sentences stand alone, allowing me to believe that the cat has genuinely changed and that this was not a ploy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it could go either way. Like I, I was going to point out that no one ever saw him again kind of like confirms that, yeah, something went wrong here. Yeah. Because Ginger is no longer part of this conspiracy. He just leaves. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
the, I mean, Shift and the Tarkan really quickly shift this around, uh, and they try to make it seem like, oh yeah, this is this is this is totally fine. They keep well, yeah, on. and I mean that was kind of their intention was going to be to scare people out of it, but yeah, yeah. The the longer he caterwauled, the less like a talking beast he looked. Yeah, and all um, the other beasts are like Ermigerd. That's happening. Like Aslan warned us that we might be, go back to being dumb beasts if we were, you know, yeah, didn't follow the way uh, if we took our helmets off. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it and it talks. Yeah, we'd we'd lose our sense and our ability to speak, uh, and they're like, "Oh, woe is me." Um, and then somebody else volunteers. Well, yeah. So we have shift. You know, the the beast calling for shift to stand between them and and Aslan, uh-huh. and they're calling for him to take up that high priest role. Of, of standing between them. Uh-huh. And then, yes, we have someone else step forward. We have Emeth, or Emeth. Yeah. <laughs> Emeth steps forward and uh, says, my father, which is, of course, how captains refer yeah, to no. their superiors. Like, if you are an officer, you refer to your superiors as my father. Otherwise, if you weren't an officer, you would refer to them as my master. Yeah. Uh, we have this whole little, like, dive into Calamine culture there just for a moment, acknowledging it. Yeah. Um, so Emmeth steps forward and basically tells Rishta he wants to go in. And Rishta says, no, don't, this is beyond you. Yeah. And then the heckling continues. Uh-huh. Because Griffel says, oh, you won't let them in, the sentence I used. Um, that was, why do you let Narnians in and keep your own people out? And Emmeth challenges them, saying, you know, the ape says Tash and Aslan are the same. How dare you say I have nothing to do with Tash? Yeah. So, I want to see Tash. Yeah, so he doesn't know what's going on. The, the, we get to the core question of this chapter, which is, do Shift and the Tarkhan know what's inside the stable? Yeah. Do they even? Like, do they know? Because it would seem that they don't, because, like, there's this whole plan with the ginger cat. We know he's in league with them. Like, Ginger Cat is supposed to go in and come out and say something. Yeah. Perform and, somehow. Yeah, and, and that doesn't happen the way it's supposed to. However, the Tarkan then says to one of his own men, no, you really don't want to go in there. It's Thou your art death. a fool and understandest nothing. These behind matters. Yeah. I am, you know. So maybe the Tarkan is the only one who actually knows what's in the stable. Maybe. Shift doesn't know. Ginger didn't know. And Maybe. this was the Tarkan's plan all along. I, I don't know. I like when he says, "I'm guiltless of this young fool's blood." Get the in, rash boy, and make haste. I think that, I think that we can't really assume until we actually finish it up because it's very much leading to questions about what is in there. Who knows what's in there? How, like, how much control is actually being held right now? Yeah. Like. Is the, was the Tarkan actually surprised by what happened with Ginger? Like, we have no idea. Yeah. Is there a plan? Is, Who knows? Yeah, is, is there Shift even is, a plan? Is Shift still in on it? Um, and, then, and then, jumping ahead a little bit, Emmeth goes in, yeah. and the next thing that comes out is a dead body, which Tyrion can see doesn't look like Emmeth. It's older and, yeah. and wider. Like, is Emmeth just like... 
being restrained in there and they threw a, a fake dead body out as part of their performance. Like, was yeah. Emmeth actually changed physically and in the same way that Ginger was changed physically? What happened there? Is, is this still part of the act? Is Emmeth in on it? And, you know, the Tarkan's resistance is entirely, like, scripted and put on. Like, it could be going a lot of different ways it here. It could be. So. But, well, like, yeah, we just don't. We have lots of questions. I mean, the, this is a chapter rife. Ripe. 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 This is a chapter ripe for baseless speculation. It is. Uh, and I almost wanted to bring it back for this one because guys, I have so many questions about what's going on. I think the language in the chapter would suggest that there was a plan here that has gone awry, which yeah. is why I said that the, the House of Cards is collapsing. Uh, I think... The Tarkan is trying really hard to control the situation, but knows that it's beyond him now. And that stuff is happening that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. My other question is, if Tash, Tashlin, if Tash himself is actually in the stable, why? Like, why would this god come up through Calarmine, stalk all the way through Narnia, and come here and hide inside the stable? Like, what? Why? Why? why what, what would be his reasoning for that? I don't know. <laughs> It's like, we assume there's something in there, maybe. But, like, why wouldn't Tash reveal himself and be like, you know, bow before me, I'm going to take over this land, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Who knows? I, I Yeah, I mean, it's really... It's really hard at this point because this chapter doesn't resolve anything for us. Yeah. And so then after Emeth is dead and, and the Tarkan makes his announcement, he looked on Tash and is dead... Yeah. We have a, a, a moment that sparks Tyrion's righteous angst to jump out. Yeah. And that is with the boar. Yeah. Uh, they're going to start forcing people to go in there. Yeah. And, like, uh, they surround the boar, and Tyrion's just like, yeah, nope, not waiting anymore. Get We're your arrow on your string, get your swords out. Yeah. And we have how many figures jump out? Seven. How many friends of Narnia were there at the beginning? Oh, seven. What a... How many books are in the series? There's seven. Whoa. Uh, so it says, seven figures leap forth in front of the stable, four of them in shining mail. So we have... We have... Tyrion Poggin, Eustace Jill, mm-hmm. in shining mail. Yep. We have Jewel Puzzle. That's the whole... And... and Farsight. Farsight. Yeah. Okay. I... For, now... now how many were wearing shining mail? Four. How many kings and queens were in the first one? Four. Or you think there's some kind of like... I think that there's some kind of motif happening. Yeah. <laughs> Just a thought. You know, those biblical numbers of four and seven that yeah. show up all the time. Yeah. I mean, seven, for sure. Well, 40. But if I were writing the chapter, you know what I would do. What would you do? Uh, I would have Aslan himself be in the stable. Yeah. And I have think. the actual Aslan yeah. in the stable. Yeah. And I Do think. you think that he killed Emmeth? I don't know. Do you the... think Aslan himself? Yes, I think Aslan himself would have turned the ginger cat into a non-talking beast. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do I think that Aslan himself would have killed Emmeth? Intentionally, no. 
don't know. Maybe he like, looks upon the glory of Aslan and just I don't know some 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 magic. But he's physically changed. Yeah, that that part that's that's the really correct part because even if it were like oh the body on the ground is older, it's just like oh maybe there's some Raiders of the Lost Ark BS going on and like he looks upon the face of the mighty and like instantly ages. Yeah, but it says that's he's totally happened before in the book. Uh, but. But it also says, like, he's larger, too, which doesn't make any sense yeah. if he's just artificially aging. Yeah. So, like, it seems like it is a different person who came out of the tent. Yeah. So. But we have Tyrion show great respect for this boy, Emmeth. Uh-huh. Howler mean though he may be. Yeah. Still worthy of respect. He we also a have God. some some racist terminology <laughs> thrown out by the dwarves. Like, this uh-huh. chapter has a lot yeah. that, like... With the calamine context, like really, yeah, <laughs> it's a different era. Mm. This was a book written in a different time. Yeah, in a in a different culture, and you know, words that are used may not necessarily have the same baggage in England as they do here. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> like a ginger colored streak of lightning. Oh. Cool. Anyway, uh, Tyrion and friends leap out, and they they do their speech. It's I, Tyrion. Everybody join me. Come to me if you want to support Free Narnia. Because Let's. he is trying to protect. And it's and it's the same thing. It's the rashness of the king that got him in trouble the first time when the when a Narnian called out for help. Uh-huh. The, the, the tree spirit called out for help. He went to the aid of the tree spirit. He got there. The horse was not calling out for help and he dove in to help the horse and kill the calamines and murdered them. Yeah. And that's what got him all um dishonored where he went back to face judgment. And that's where we are now. Like we have all of this rashness of the king once again jumping out to defend those that need defending. I mean, and you, this, th- what? Can you really call it rashness at this point? Because, like, Tyrion is out of options. Yeah. Like, he's got no allies left. The country has fallen. Like, there's nobody coming to help them. Yeah, no, like, no, what- no. I, I agree that at this point it's less about rashness because this is a beast that actually is fighting back and does need help in the uh-huh. same way that, like, the tree did, but not, like, the horse. And it's the situation with the horse that was considered the rashness of the king that got him in trouble, uh-huh. where the horse was complicit in what was happening yeah and Tyrion jumped out without understanding that the horse didn't want freedom yeah apparently not so there you go and then we find out who actually joins in the next chapter called uh the pace quickens yes i like how in the last six chapters of the entire series we're finally quickening the pace yep. we're finally finally getting some action well, going we're 10 chapters months. in and it's been two days yeah, I mean, like, like the two first or three days. chapter was one week ahead of time, and then we jumped forward a week, and it's two days worth of time that's covered in the other eight chapters of the book. Yeah, and like we're finally just starting this battle, and we have six chapters to completely wrap up everything that happens in this series. Yeah, gonna be a next uh, an intense next six yeah. six episodes. Yeah, gonna be chock full of stuff. Hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, anything we didn't mention we need to get back to, dive into further? Uh, Griffel, why is he there? The concept of thinking and manipulation. The number seven. Worthy of a better god than Tash. I love this um, 
worthy of a better god than Tash. I love this this man, Calarmine, though he may be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's even rather beautiful in kind of a dark, haughty Calarmine sort of way. That's all of my notes. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So we move on to our next segment then. Sure. All right. Oh, into the black mouth of the stable. I thought that was a descriptive moment that was intense. Yeah. Oh, the bear had a puzzled voice. I thought was an interesting reference back to puzzle. Uh Oh, okay. Maybe a little uh, wordplay. Manipulation that Shift has been doing. It's the exact same wording, like I said, about him talking about thinking. Yeah. The bear is specifically referred to as having a puzzled voice. Yeah. In the same way that puzzle was manipulated by Abe in the same context. Yeah. Well, here's here's another question I guess we could ask ourselves in this moment. Uh, You know, as we see the House of Cards collapsing and this plan falling apart by the Tarkham. Why are they even still here? Like why are who even still here? Like, what's the, I mean, keeping this who? tiny little work, uh, like, Tarkan, why are they keeping this tiny little work camp going? Because it's been two days. Okay. I was like, they've they've taken the country. Like, Narnia has fallen. Yeah, they also haven't had a chance to get that news back yet. They don't have Farsight, the evil, to, <laughs> the evil, the Ooh. evil. What, what are you trying to imply the here? the eagle to report back to them that they've been successful. Okay. So... Cool. All right. What do we do in our next segment, Kristen? Uh, I don't know. Okay. So in our next segment, as a creative exercise, uh, we pick out five additional sentences from the chapter and use them to tell our own story. And sometimes that gives us insights into things that we need to talk further about. Sometimes it's just fun. But I went ahead and did my summary first. So if you want to do your rewrite first. Sure. Go for it. Here's my very short rewrite. Take warning, all of you. This was worse. No one ever saw him again. Uneasy whimperings and little sharp squeals broke out from among the other animals. I'll open the door for you. Okay. You want to share any more about what you're going for there? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Just a little mystery. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm phoning it in on these rewrites. I'm I'm really over it with these. That's all. That's why we're rethinking our creative segment in the next series. Yep. More about that later. It's a little teaser for you. Um, I was actually kind of happy with mine this time. So here is my rewrite. Ho ho ho! He chuckled. My father, said Emmeth. He was quite different, an older man, thicker and not so tall, with a big beard. And now he'll be kind, and it will all be as it used to be. He closed the door behind him. Yeah, no idea. Okay. No, go ahead. Tell us Tell us what you were doing. Uh, just a little relationship father-son encounter between Emmeth and his dad been okay. maybe oh like his actual dad yeah got it okay yeah <laughs> okay cool you like Emmeth I like Emmeth his character <laughs> really I like Emmeth yep it's a shame he's dead maybe maybe he might be dead <laughs> hey <laughs> he might have been mysteriously replaced with a uh, wider shorter older man yeah who knew all right, well then, should we move on to our final segment? We should. 
Having fun playing with fire over there. Yeah, I kind of hurt myself right there. Uh-huh. Anyway. There it is. So in this final segment... Uh, it's the final countdown! Sorry, conflict. it's the ultimate conflict! Uh, in this one, for the entire book, we've been going through and doing matchups between various different characters throughout the entire series to see who the ultimate champion in a knockdown drag-out brawl among Narnia would be. Yep. Uh, we have done all of our new character brackets, so everybody's locked in, and now we are just doing rematches. Yep. Anyway, so... Now we are no longer rolling for new characters. We are just figuring out who's going to win amongst who's left. Correct. So we have our round one victor uh, up against our round two victor. Who are we? Who is going up we today? We do need uh, an environment, though. Yeah. So we can go back to our environment table. I didn't want to come up with, like, 26 different environments, so we're just going to use the same 10 we've been using. All right. So, so far, we have already used environments... One, three, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So we haven't used environment two or environment four. Well, if so, you want to pick one randomly. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick environment four because I saw two from where I'm sitting. Okay, environment four is Care Paravel. Ooh. Okay, and this might actually be important because this is the battle of Lucy versus Prince Cor, aka Shasta. Yep. Uh, all right. So if this was Corin, obviously this is just no contest whatsoever. However, I feel However, like this is... <laughs> it's also an environment advantage to Lucy. She lived at Caraparavel for years. More yeah. than a decade. Yes. And Prince Cor is uh, an Arm... Not an Armenian. Uh, Arkenlander. Yeah. <laughs> He's an Arkenlander. Corin so... has been to... We have knowledge that Kor has been to Caraparavel, but not Corrin. Uh Sorry, reverse that. We yes. have knowledge that Corrin has been to Caraparavel, but not Kor. Yes, and he's never ruled there, so Lucy definitely has the advantage in like knowing the ins and outs of the castle and the environmental stuff. And also, maybe having an army. Maybe having the army there. Uh, in terms of just character abilities, we have to go back into uh, Lucy's ability to do a war, a war of attrition because she has the, the, uh, the magic flask, the... Uh, not the brandy. What's what is it called? The the, the cordial. cordial, the magic cordial of healing, uh, and so we we bring up the point again that she has to get killed pretty much right away because if she gets injured, she can just keep going, keep on going. Yeah. Um, with that cordial, uh, she also has. Did she have another magic item, or is it just the the cordial? I thought she had some kind of dagger or something. She has the dagger, yeah, yeah. but it's not magic. Yeah, it's a real shame when girls fight. Core, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, we doesn't have any magic items that we know of uh, to speak of. Uh, he is, you know, an accomplished swordsman. Uh, we've seen him in battle before. He is able to uh, hold his own in the fight for Arkenland against the Calarmines. Uh Other than that, we really never see him do any battle or anything though which i guess we can say the same thing about lucy she doesn't really fight very much uh, uh are you kidding me <sighs> they meet in battle where lucy is there with the archers leading like that's how they meet well yeah i guess so i mean uh, and i feel like if we are having them fight like and the fact that they did occupy the same space at the same time yeah like 
we have to consider that as well. Lucy is like in the battle with it's it is Edmund and Lucy here leading a war charge against the Calermines to defend Arkenland. Yeah. Uh, there is that. I mean, we also have to have the discussion. This is about- like the most intense I've actually gotten in it. Like, I actually care. Like, I want Lucy to win this fight. I don't care about anything else. Just this one fight, I want Lucy to win. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we get into the discussion of like what time frame these are both in. If we're going for like the prime of both the characters, then we have Lucy, uh, sometime post events of What's in the Wardrobe where. She is still physically young, but has all the mental, all the mental memories as opposed to physical memories. All the memories of, uh, you know, her time as queen. She knows the castle. She has whatever training she's had as a royal for 20-something odd years. Uh, Core in his prime, we never really see him be older. Yeah. And so we kind of just have to have him be like, you know, the prince of Arkenland who has no real experience like leading armies or doing anything like that. Uh, Lucy wins. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think especially with the home field advantage of Care Paravel, it would be hard to make the argument that Cora would win this. Yeah. So I think we have to move Lucy on. Yes. So she's going to move on into the uh, quarterfinals. Or is that the quarterfinals? She's moving on to the semis. I have no idea. Okay. I, I haven't drawn the whole <laughs> thing out yet. Cool. Uh, so Lucy's won. Cora is officially out of the contest. Cool. Holy Spirit herself. Woo. All right. And Sweet. then and that will be Who's our next fight, Kristen? Uh Bree versus Edmund. Ooh. Yes. That's interesting. I think they're going to be fighting over a plate of Turkish delights. Ooh. <laughs> what an adventure. <laughs> I mean, those are basically sugar cubes. Yeah. Uh, also, another reason I want Lucy to win is because I don't want the final battle to actually just be Core versus Corin. God, what a fight for the ages <laughs> though. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, um, that'll be the final. We're in the semifinals right now. Okay. Um, so that was our first fight in the semifinals. We have three more semifinal fights. No, no, this no, is quarterfinals. Quarter, yeah, yeah. This is quarterfinals. Yeah. We have cool. three more quarterfinal fights, then we have our semifinals, then we have our final. Yeah. Cool. All right. Would you like to take us out? Sure. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed Chapter 10 of The Last Battle. Join us next week as we discuss Chapter 11, The Pace Quickens. Wow. If you want to interact with us in the meantime, you can do so on social media at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of the four shining armor-clad people jumping out from behind the stable. Uh, at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, we are currently in the kind of planning phases for what the next iteration of the podcast is going to look like in our next book series. And if you have any suggestions, comments about how we could possibly improve or do things better next time around, feel free to share those with Formatting us. Formatting changes, yeah. etc. Any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, please send that along our way as well. Also, if you want to contribute to the podcast uh, and be shouted out on the show, you can do that uh, at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, be worthy of a better god than Tash. And don't go into the stable. Cheers. Bye.
Step forward, we have EMF or Emeth. Yeah. Um, we have EMF or Emeth, and Emeth steps forward or Emeth. Which which way would you like to say it? Emeth. Good. Emeth. Yeah. Emeth. Emeth steps forward. Your face. I have glitter on my face. No. <laughs> I've been infected. You got it. But Tyrion and his friends, I think I missed an entire word writing that one down. <laughs> And now the dog's barking. <laughs> and now the dog's barking. At least it's not cats making love on the roof. <laughs> and until next time... This is not an asthma podcast, okay? What? So the things you have to do if you're not doing your nails during this podcast. Just... <laughs> Good lord. I did my nails last night. I forgot we were recording today. I would have <sighs> saved that activity for today. But I forgot. This chapter is called Who Will Go Into the Staple. That is not into. Yes, it is. That's that's don't. (laughs) Who will go don't? Like that's do, not go. So it's like who whittle do don't (laughs) the (laughs) stable. Yes, this chapter called Who Whittle Don't Do the Stable. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. All right. This chapter. <laughs> Can I just take a picture of it from this angle? Because if you do look at it upside down, it does look like what I said it looks like. Yeah, sure. Okay. Can I do my summary now? Yeah. <laughs>